Well, welcome to another episode of Understanding Business. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today is July 2nd, 2015, and we're very excited to have with us Lee Cockrell, who is the former Executive Vice President of Operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. And as a senior operating executive for 10 years, Lee led a team of 40,000 cast members, was responsible for the operations of 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and entertainment village, and the ESPN Sports and Recreation Complex, in addition to a whole host of other operations which supported the number one vacation destination in the world, and that is, of course, Walt Disney World. Now, before I introduce Lee, I just want to tell you a little bit about what we're going to do today. We're going to talk to Lee about um, his leadership style. We're going to answer some questions from some of our listeners that have submitted questions about Lee and his background. And we're going to talk about his books. He's the author of The Customer Rules, Creating Magic, and his newest book, Time Management Magic. We're going to talk to him about that. And we're going to learn a lot about how you, who are operating your own business, whether you're a small business or big business, can benefit from some of the lessons and leadership techniques that Lee is going to talk about. And before I bring him on, I just want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by DavidOsler.com. Now, if you drive a car, there is a good chance that you're paying far too much money for auto insurance. And there's a number of reasons why you might be paying so much for your insurance. It could be anything from policy offerings that change, personal situations, and believe it or not, simply moving, just changing your zip code can affect your car insurance costs. And oftentimes, new discounts are available by these auto insurance companies, but your agent is unfortunately not going to call you and make you aware of lower rates. So you need to be proactive in order to save your money. In fact, experts suggest that consumers shop for better deals on auto insurance every single year to ensure that you're getting the best possible deal. But that is a pain in the neck. We all know how time-consuming and confusing insurance shopping can be, and that's where DavidOsler.com comes in. Now that's DavidOsler.com, David, O-S-L-E-R.com. DavidOsler.com makes it fast and simple to find out if you can save money on car insurance without sacrificing the coverage you need. DavidDosler.com is free. That's right, a free automated auto insurance rate comparison tool where drivers can enter a bare minimum of personal information and quickly get easy-to-understand rate quotes from a select group of top-rated auto insurance companies who will be competing to get your business. So all you need to do is go to DavidOsler.com, fill out a few quick uh, questions, answer the questions, wait for your rate quotes to come in, and start saving money. It's free and no obligation at all. DavidOsler.com. David, O-S-L-E-R dot com. Lee, I want to thank you for being on today, and I want to welcome you to the show. Yeah, great to be here. Good to be with you. So, I mean, you are just an, an amazing individual from a business um, sense. You have had so much experience. I mean, we talked to, when I introduced you at the beginning of the show. You led a team of 40,000 cast members. That just, just blows my mind. So many people that you know run small businesses have a hard time managing two or three employees. So I, I can only imagine how complicated that must have been. Well, there were some of those days when it was a little complicated, but overall, I think it's probably the model we use for running the business that I can certainly explain to your listeners how we think about it so that it gets becomes a whole lot easier. Well, you know, before we get into some of that, I want to talk a little bit about um, your background and 
where you started, because you, you had obviously other jobs before you made it to Walt, the, Walt Disney World. So can you talk for a little bit about some of your background and your experiences and then how you ultimately landed a job at Walt Disney World? Well, I had pretty good experience. I grew up on a little farm in Oklahoma, so you start working pretty young when you grow up, work up on a farm. Everybody works, and uh, we were poor as we could be. I tell people I probably didn't have a, I didn't, probably had the potential to be very successful. My mother was married five times. I I was adopted twice. I, I got my name Cockle when I was 16, and then I went off to college, and I wasn't a great student, so I dropped out and went in the Army. And when I got out of the Army, I uh, went to Washington Hilton with a friend I met in the Army, and I got a job as a banquet waiter. And I worked for Hilton for eight years. After being a waiter for eight years, I got on a management training program, and, and that just turned out great. And I worked in Washington, Chicago, the Waldorf Astoria in New York, Los Angeles, all over. Had a good eight years with them. And then Marriott, I joined Marriott in 1973, and Worked for Marriott for 17 years and ended up becoming vice president of food and beverage operations for Marriott. And then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open the Euro Disney Project, which I did. And I ended up staying with Disney for 16 years, uh, three years in France and 13 years down in Orlando, where I became responsible for all the operations for about 10 years. And uh, then I uh, retired in 19. Uh, let's see, 06, and started my own business. So I, uh, kind of an, one of those entrepreneurs that has to figure out how to get it all done now, because I have no secretary, no staff, and main reason for that is I want to keep all the money. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want any HR issues. I don't have to coach and counsel anybody. Nobody's late to work except me. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it was a fast career. It was a great career. I mean, I worked for three great companies, Hilton, Marriott, and Disney. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, those three groups, they're still up. Yeah. It all started back in the 20s, and they're all going strong today. Yeah, it's amazing because you see so many businesses that open and, and fail. And, and we're talking about large companies that end up closing the doors. So, I mean, the companies that you work for that are still thriving today must be doing something right. But, you know, you talk a little bit about your background, and what I, I like about your background, it's something that's worth pointing out. So many entrepreneurs today will come to me and they'll say, you know, I did not have that fortunate situation where I was born with a lot of money. I wasn't born into wealth. I, you know, but you are an example of somebody who has had, you know, uh, had to work for what you've had. It doesn't sound to me like you were born into significant wealth. Actually, I think you're better off when you're not. I mean, I must say, you know, when you learn to work, and I touch today, get your kids working, get them jobs, get them responsibilities. As they get older, get them a real job. Even our grandkids today don't have to work, but we make sure they work in the summer. We make sure my son went and worked on cattle ranches in the summer and 100-degree heat in Oklahoma and big fence post holes and at 16, 17, and 18, and our grandkids are doing the same. They work in horticulture, pulling weeds when they're 16 and 17, and uh, they don't have to. But I know that 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 what they're doing now and that experience is going to teach them that life's life's hard. You got to be on time to work. You got to get up. You got to get along with other people, uh, and they love it when they get a paycheck at the end of the week. That really builds their self confidence. So. 
early work experiences are important, and I think a lot of people don't do that with their kids today. They're so busy uh, doing other things and making the kids so happy that they can't stand it that when they get to be adults, they're not very happy because they don't know how to handle things. So that would be my best advice to people, and that's what happened to me. So I was prepared for the workplace. When my boss said, be in at 6 and come back at midnight and come back the next morning and work seven days a week, I just smiled and said, no problem. So that's probably why I had a good career. <laughs> yeah, well, it's so important, though, because, you know, as a, um, an entrepreneur, right, you coach other entrepreneurs and you help people develop their leadership skills and their business. I'm sure that you hear the same thing that I do, which is, you know, oh, I, I thought it was going to be easier. I didn't realize that I had to work this hard when I own my own business. I thought that I have more free time. And I hear it so often, <laughs> and especially from younger people. And that speaks to what you were just illustrating, how I think so many young kids don't have that work experience. Have you heard that? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, it's a it's a mindset that's putting up with obstacles in your life. And when you start your own business, there's a million obstacles. You have to resolve them. You know, when I started my business, I didn't have all those Disney people to support me, HR and payroll and training, and I had to figure it out myself. I had to get my website up. I had to write the content. I had to get a good guy to handle my computer and be on call when I need a when it's down or have a crash, and I had to get a good tax accountant. And so basically I went out and found experts to do the things for me that I'm not very good at. And I did all that. And actually, my web guy was telling me, he said, the biggest problem he has, everybody wants a website, but they he can't get them to write the content. They're right. so disorganized. They don't know what they want on there. And so, I, but yeah, that's uh, uh, it's probably uh, pretty hard. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs really struggle with uh, those early years. And uh, you got to kind of have a conversation with those important people in your life, whether it's your wife, your partner, your kids, that you're going to start a business, so uh, we're all going to be in this together. It's going to be tough, and we're just going to have to focus on it for several years till we get it on board, and then it'll pay off later. So hard work, yeah, that's unfortunately. <laughs> Everything hard pays off, though. That's what I tell people. When you do easy things, you don't have much good luck. When you do hard things, life pays off and gets better. So do the hard things every week. That's absolutely perfect advice. You know, I see with a lot of people who start online businesses, because they believe that, you know, they'll see other people who might be successful at an online business, whether they're writing a book, an ebook, or some sort of uh, training seminar that they're going to sell over the internet. So many of these people, you know, I, I've had them say, man, I thought this was going to be passive income. I thought this was going to be super easy. But even something like a passive income business, you have to put that hard work in to generate the content. Absolutely. I mean, writing the book's tough. I've written three, I just finished my fourth one. Uh a couple of days ago, and uh, you got to be disciplined. And somebody said, how do you write a book? I said, I get up every morning. I go to Starbucks, 6.30. I read the New York Times. So I get some new material, new ideas. And then I come home, and I write from 8 to 10 or 10.30 every morning until I'm done. And that discipline is scheduling it, and uh, that's the problem a lot of people don't have. I just, you know, I wrote a book, Time Management Magic, How to Get More Done Every Day, and it's all about this. Most people have time to do what they want, but they don't have time to do what they should be doing, and they waste a lot of time, and they don't spend their time in the right place, and then they wonder why you don't get anything done. And I, when you write two hours a day, it's not long before you're done. Right. Yeah, you know, I think that I I read your book, Time Management Magic. I think it's a great book. And one of the things that you talk about is, you know, the idea of managing small chunks of time so that, you know, you can do more by consistency 
And uh, like you said, you know, you're going to write two hours a day every day. Before you know it, that book's going to be done. Yeah, routine is an important thing to uh, learn in your life. That routines help you get the right things done at the right time, so that you don't have these uh, big problems pop up because you didn't pay attention to them. So I love routine. It keeps everything nice and calm. Yep. Now, you know, one of our listeners had uh, written in, and they wanted to know, and this will help us sort of um, move into some of the other areas that I want to talk to you about, but they wanted to know what operations really is. You know, the question basically is that they've heard the term operations, and how do you get into it, and what is it? Because it just seems like such a big catch-all position. So can you talk for a little bit about an operations manager somebody who is an executive in operations. What what does that mean? Yeah, I think the best explanation for everybody out there, whether you're a one-man show or one-woman show in your company or whether you're working for Disney and have 40,000 people, operations means uh, really all the responsibilities and services and products related to the customer, to the guest, to uh, so when I talk about being head of operations, I was head of all the things that affected the guests, the parks, the resorts, transportation, security, purchasing, uh, all of those uh, departments that support the operators. So it's basically, uh, I didn't have finance. That's a separate department. HR was a separate department. Uh, uh, legal was a separate department. Marketing, sales, those are all separate. I didn't have those. I had anything that affected a customer's experience. That's what I was responsible for, whether it was cleanliness, friendliness, training, uh, products on the shelves, uh, opening hours, security, people, what time they came to the parks, where they were, all of those things that affect a guest, a customer. And that's how they have to think about it. That's operating responsibility. Now, you came from a background in hospitality and entertainment not necessarily in management, but you must have had management experience when you dealt with hospitality and entertainment. And that is, is that how you ended up being recruited by Disney? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm very disciplined. I'm very reliable. I have a very good personal system, which I wrote in that book, Time Management Magic, How to Implement It. Uh, I, uh, I'm reliable, I'm credible, I keep my promises, I do what I'm going to say I do. And I think it, if I would tell your listeners, if there's two things that will get you ahead in life is have a positive attitude, a positive can-do attitude, nothing will keep you from getting it done, and have this reliability and credibility that people say, wow, when you give that person something, they get it done. You can always rely on them. If they say they're going to call you back at 5 o'clock on Friday, I guarantee you they will. And those are the two things that really... Uh, got me, which is really management. Management is the act of controlling. When you manage something, you're supposed to keep it under control. So every job I had, I was extremely reliable. I got it done on time. I did good quality work. Uh, the time didn't mean anything to me. It was getting the right thing done. And uh, that's management. Management's about doing things, and, and uh, that's what I was good at. And when you do that, your boss loves it, and they end up promoting you because then they can give you lots more work, and they don't have to do as much. Right. Well, let's talk about that idea of delegating for a second, because when you were responsible for 40,000 cast members, clearly you're not running around doing every job. Let's talk about the importance of delegation, how to know when to delegate, what to delegate, and how somebody who's maybe in a mid-size or smaller company can learn 
how to delegate, because sometimes delegating can be a very difficult thing, especially when you feel that you need to have a hand in everything. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, first of all, it's a mindset. I think people who believe they have to micromanage everything and be involved in everything, they're never going to be very successful. I happen to personally not have a need to be in, know everything. I don't have to approve everything. The key at Disney and the key in my success was, first, I hire really good people. I get rid of people who don't perform. So when I delegate, I don't have a lot of risk because I've got great people. I mean, I've hired really competent people. I take my time. I hire very slow. I fire people quick if they can't do the job or won't do the job. Or And then second, training. We train Training, testing them after the training, and then enforcing the training. When you have great people who are well-trained, you can easily delegate to them. And then the other thing is the culture. I made myself available. I said, if you're having trouble, call me. I'll help you. You don't have to be on this alone. But most of the time, people will do it. If you've trained them well and you've hired the right person, they'll come to you occasionally, but they won't need to be coming to you which leaves you free to do what you're good at, maybe calling on more customers, uh, working on new products, but don't hire great people and then micromanage them. That's totally ridiculous. And uh, But this is a insecurity problem with a lot of people. They're just so insecure, and then they don't hire. Sometimes they hire their relatives or they hire some good old boy or some, some late, nice lady, but they're not competent. Right. And, uh, that's what I really focus on, competence. You've got to be competent. And uh, and uh, we, I work with a lady who we really have worked on the right questions to ask yes. to make sure we're hiring the right people who can overcome obstacles every day because we found out people who can overcome obstacles are your best performers. The people who never have an excuse, they always find a way to get it done. They never come back and say this or that, or they get it done. And uh, that's how you have to think about it. And when you're, if you're out there now delegating and people are let, disappointing you, you really ought to take a hard look at it. Is that the right person for your company? Now, a lot of people, especially smaller business owners, will say, well, that's great to say hire the right people, but I can't afford to hire the right people. And I don't necessarily believe that that's true. What do you think about that idea of, you know, the right people, the good people, they're too much, I can't afford them. What do you think about that? Well, I'd say Disney has has 72,000 cast members right now, and starting pays around $9 an hour. And... um, you go to Disney, I don't care who you run into, whether they're cleaning a bathroom or they are working in a retail store or a restaurant, uh, they're not making tons of money. Uh, They're going to do their job because when we hire them, we're very clear about our expectations for their attitude, performance, and uh, then we train them and we make them better than they were when we got them. And uh, then we hold them accountable. You don't do your job, you won't be here. You do your job, you'll get promoted, you can get ahead, you can have a great life here. I think mostly entrepreneurs are not, they don't set the expectation high enough. They're not clear enough when they interview people about what they expect and how they're going to hold them accountable. A lot of entrepreneurs are not good role models. They don't set a good example for being on time to work and controlling their attitude and treating people respectfully. And so you end up creating a lot of these problems yourself. And a lot of entrepreneurs are very disorganized, which makes the whole organization disorganized. So that's why I really. You've got, you got to get your act together, or your people will never have their act together. And this is a, just another excuse. I can't find good people. I don't care if you have to go out and find a retired 72-year-old. They may do a great job for you and work three days a week. I mean, some of these high school kids are fabulous. Some college students can work only two days a week. I, you know, you can build that schedule around a few people. There's a way to find great people, and there's always a way to make money. And I think this is just an excuse. And 
You got to work harder, though. You got to work harder, Adams. You got to be more creative. You got to figure it out. <laughs> I figured yeah. it out. I got every contractor that works for me. They're great, and I take care of them. They take care of me, and I don't have to worry about those things. Now, time management. We talked about it a bit. We talked about your book, and we're talking about you know as an entrepreneur being able to direct to kind of be the captain of the ship. So, would you think that this is true? And that statement is that. Good management in an organization starts with personal management first. Oh, absolutely. I tell you, if the boss, if the person at the top doesn't have their act together, that's what I tell everybody. Be careful what you say and do. Everyone's watching you and judging you. Just like kids. Kids learn that much in school. What they learn that really matters in life, they learn at home, watching mom and dad. Tell parents, good response. They're watching everything you do, and you're either going to create great kids or kids that are going to be in trouble. In the workplace, uh, same thing, role modeling, setting an example. Make sure you understand everybody's watching you every second, and uh, they're learning from you. Not what you say, what you do is what people, how they find out what's the right thing to do and the right way to do it. And this is a simple little soft concept, but a lot of people don't pay attention to it. I always tell people, be careful every day because what you say, what you do, what you put online, how you smile, how you greet the customers, everybody's learning from you. So apps don't underestimate the impact and the power you have to influence others. You know, I think that one of the important points people have to pick up on is that there's no shortcut to success. And all the principles that you're talking about, they're those old school 1920s. I mean, go back to Walt Disney himself. They're those old school values, hard work, you know, the way you treat people, what you give, what you get. All those things aren't these all those values that people think has passed now? Yeah, exactly. And not much changes, you know, really, when you think about it. The basics are always going to be to make people successful. Sure, Walt started early, Bill Barrett, Dad started early, Conrad Hilton, even the rider trucks. Rider trucks, I did a speech for that. Yeah, rider trucks started back in the same time Disney did in the 20s, and two brothers bought one truck and drove it 24 hours a day. <laughs> and wow. today they got gazillions of trucks around the world. It's the same old story. And uh, I wish there were more quick successes. And there are occasionally, but that's just pure luck. And uh, I would go for the hard work and persistence and uh, and staying in there and taking care of your customers, taking care of your employees versus hoping you get lucky. Now let's talk a little bit about customers. You wrote a book called The Customer Rules. And one of the things that Disney level of customer service, and you alluded to it a few minutes ago, when you go to the park and you're greeted by a cast member, it is a different experience than, especially if you're up here where I am in the Northeast, you know, New York City, New Jersey, you're lucky if people don't run you over on the street. You know, they're not going to stop and smile and say hello. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your book, The Customer Rules, and what that means to today's entrepreneur, today's business owner, and today's customer, because customers are far more savvy than they were 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah, and I think uh, people, it's not New Jersey, it's all over the world, people are not courteous. They, they uh, you know, And by the way, most of our guests come from New Jersey, so we have to be nice to them. <laughs> uh, so, and New York, and Chicago, anywhere it's cold. 
But, uh, yeah, it's just a, a lot of that starts because parents are not uh, teaching the kids those basic uh, courtesies and professionalism and how to behave and which which fork to use and be nice. As my granddaughter told me when I wrote the customer rules, I said, Margo, what's the most important thing in the customer service? She said, Pappy, the first thing is be nice. You know, just a simple thing like that. And uh, certainly uh, I think people in New Jersey behave very well when they're at Disney World because they're be- surrounded by employees who are just making them feel great and taking care of them and doing anything they want. And so I think it's the environment you're in. If you're in an environment where everybody's kind of running fast and uh, having commuter issues and stress and getting into Manhattan and back and work, and a lot of times it just becomes the environment you're in starts to stress you out and it changes your behavior. And I think at Disney World we create an environment so that people are more relaxed and uh, it's a good thing. And 99% of our guests are happy when they come down here. And when you ask for something, the cast member says no. They don't have that look on their face. They take care of you. They work it out. And I think the customer rules can help people just go back and rethink how can don't don't get caught up in the same environment. Don't don't misbehave because everybody else is doing it. Be a, be a leader. Step up. Be a great, better parent. Be a better boss. Uh, just because uh, the city is stressed out up there in the Northeast doesn't mean you have to be. You can pick yourself up and be better than that. And uh, it's just a it's a it's an attitude. It's a state of mind. Of you want to be good or you want to be great. And uh, right. being great's harder. And it takes more. Uh, you have to control yourself and withhold your facial expressions and that look. And as they said in that movie Frozen, let it go, let it go, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the thing I use now. When my wife and I, we've been married almost 47 years, and somebody said, how are you so successful with your marriage? I said, I just let it go, let it go, let it go. Oh, that's good advice. Good advice. You know, let me ask you this: What would you say to somebody who's maybe in a in a smaller business or in a management position, and they're dealing with disgruntled customers because perhaps it's the nature of the industry? There are certain professions out there and in industries where you're typically not experiencing um, happy customers. Maybe you know you're an insurance person and. Your job is to save money on some of these claims that are filed. Or you're a lawyer and you have bad clients. What, what kind of advice would you give to people? Well, there's many like that. I would say healthcare nurses have, you know, nobody's happy in the hospital. And, uh, and uh, a lot of teachers are not happy because they think they have no control over the behavior of the students. And my advice on that is there's a lot of unhappy people in the world guests would come to me. I had a lot of guests that came to me. They were very unhappy. And people said, is the guest always right? Is the customer always right? I said, no, but they're always the customer. If you want them back, you treat them right. You know, if you want to get even with them and get defensive and straighten them out, you'll lose them. They all got a credit card in their pocket. Be nice. Be professional. Let it go. They're not mad at you anyway. They're just upset. They got 10 problems you don't know about. That's why they have a behavior problem. That's why they got an attitude problem. Just let it go. Get over it. And don't take it personally. Be professional. Your job is to take care of the customers, not to try to evaluate them or to straighten them out because you don't like the way they talk to you. Or your job is to turn them around, get their business, get their credit card in your hand, and keep them coming back for 100 years. So that's how I think about it. There's no guest that can upset me. I'm going to turn them around. I'm not going to ever go to that level. I'm not ever going to behave that way. And I can turn them around. If I stay positive, they will turn around. I guarantee you. They'll get better. They may not get great, but they'll get better. And I'm not going to upset right. 
myself. I start in a big argument, and then we go downhill. And then today, you know, if I have that conversation with somebody, they can go on the Internet and post out to 10,000 people what a jerk Disney is or Lee Cockrell, and I don't want that negative things about me out there either. And even right. though it might be misunderstood, and it may not even be correct, but still can, they can put it out there anyway. And uh, so I protect my reputation on that, and I think every leader ought to do that, and every parent, uh, you know, you just got to deal with it. Don't argue yeah, I mean, that's... Stay cool and calm and have the discussion and follow through. You don't have to raise your voice and scream and and uh, doesn't work anyway. The minute you start screaming, people don't hear you anymore. They start getting defensive. Right. Uh, yeah, well, I mean that's yeah. really it's great advice. And and your point about the internet is absolutely spot on because nowadays there's Yelp, there's all these online review sites, and we we see these lawsuits that are are out there because business owners are critical of what was posted online. But sometimes. Yeah, you know, every once in a while you've got that disgruntled, angry customer that's just vindictive. But a lot of times some of these, these reviews are um, are accurate because maybe they didn't have the best experience. So you do have to worry about that. But something else that you said that I love was that the customer's not always right, but they're always the customer. And I think that people get confused with that old adage that the customer's always right. Can you talk a bit about the distinction between always being right and being the customer? Kind of like this. My wife's not always right, but she's still my wife. <laughs> and by the way, she says, I'm not always right, but I'm still her husband. So there's those moments when, you know, you, that's it. I mean, that's, if you want to have the relationship, you bite your lip and you put up the things. You let it go. And if you don't want to have the customer, go ahead and work over them, straighten them out. And then go, by the way, today they can go anywhere. They can go to Amazon and just never buy from you again. Yeah. So... Uh, and get it probably cheaper and delivered tomorrow. So uh, be careful. You've got to you've got to make yourself so much better than more reliable and just more positive and just exceed their expectations. Or they'll just go online and walk away from your business. And there's no shortage of people you can go do business with in every single business out there. There's none. I mean, there's a lot of places to go on vacation. You don't have to come to Disney World. But if you love it, you'll come back. If you don't love it, you can go to Hawaii, Vegas, you can go to New York, you can go to any, gosh, there's a million places, islands, Bahamas. So, yeah, we want them to be so happy they don't ever think about not coming back here. Or if they go somewhere else, they compare it to Disney, and they say, wow, let's go back there. It was so much better. That's how you have and, to think about every little business. I don't care if you're a dry cleaner. you got to be the right. best little dry cleaner in the whole world. And, uh, and a lot of a lot of businesses look at Disney as a model. I mean, even some of Disney's competitors like Universal. I mean, years ago when Universal first started, it was a completely different element with respect to the employees in the park. But it seems that over the years they've copied or tried to copy some of that, that Disney style and tried to make their employees a little bit nicer to guess. But there's still, you know, there, it's not that, that Disney feel. But a lot of people look at Disney as an example of how things should be done. Yeah, I think, you know, Universal's doing a good job. They're doing, they're booming over there, by the way. And uh, yeah. I, I think they're working on their customer service and, and training, and I think, like anything, it takes time. I suspect they will keep coming, and they'll keep on it, and then next year will be better, and the next year will be better. That's how life works. It takes, it takes a long time to get better or a long time to get worse. <laughs> so right. cultures change very quickly. Ca- Slowly, and so, but they're focused. 
they've got great product, and they've got great cast business over there, too, and Disney does, too, and both companies, including SeaWorld, are always working to try to get better and better and better, and I think you'll see that. So uh, once you decide to get better, you'll get better. Until you decide you have to get better, you won't. It's like getting like exercise. Until you decide to take care of yourself, you won't. Once you decide it's important, you'll start to work in the exercise, strength training, seeing your doctors, taking care of yourself. But until you make that decision, nobody can make you do it. You know, if your wife tells you to get in shape, that's not going to work. You've got to want to do it yourself, and it's like your business. You've got to want to wake up in the morning and have the absolute best service of anybody in the world. And uh, once you decide to do that, you will do it. But until you decide to do it, because it's hard work. A lot of people don't want to make that decision. Exercise is hard work. Easy to lay on the couch. And you yeah. do easy things like it's harder, and you do hard things like it's easier. That's the way life works. Yep. Now, you talked a second ago about, you know, um, the evolution of, of Disney and SeaWorld and Universe and all these, these theme parks, that they're not staying stagnant. I mean, look, the people that are fans of Disney know that attractions change over, the to- over time and parks change. And one of the topics that you talk about in some of your seminars is the idea of creativity and innovation and how this continuous development is so important to the success of Disney. Can you talk for a bit about that? How important is it for business, small, mid-sized, or large, to continue to develop and evolve? Well, absolutely. I think the business out there today that's not thinking about becoming better, uh, and then they got to figure out where better is, depending on what business you're in. I mean, technology alone is going to force you to get better, because it's your competitor puts in apps or opens earlier or stays open later or delivers and you don't or offers a, 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 some gift if you do enough business with them or additional services, uh, hey, you're going to lose your business because people are going to go to where they're getting more and they're getting treated better and it's less hassle and they can get delivery and when they get there at 6.30 in the morning, they're open instead of all your competitors open at 7 or 7.30. I mean, you got to get better in every area, and you got first every every entrepreneur. Number one, you need to know what your competitors are doing. If they got a website, check it every week. Make sure you know what they're doing. If they made any changes, uh, check your competitors carefully. Go to the mall, check all businesses, see what they're doing. If you could apply in your business, come back and put it in because you saw it in another store. It may not be the same kind of business you're in, but it's a great idea, and you could implement it. Be all over technology. Social media, it's important. It's how I run my business, how I let people know about my products and services. And I have a great website that's really easy to use. Even my website, on my website, it has all my contact information, my address, my phone number, my email address. I'm not hiding from anybody. I want people right. to make it easy to get a hold of me because when you can get a hold of me, I can book more business. If I make it hard and I don't give you my address, then I really won't give you my email, and you can't, you know, you know, some of these businesses, I don't know who, where, who they're hiding from. I mean, so those are the kind of things I think about. You've got to really get on it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see exactly what you're talking about. There are so many people out there that say, well, I'm not going to give you my email address. I don't want you emailing me, yet they want your business, but they don't want to open up and, and, you know, give you contact information. It's crazy. I tell you one thing you can tell everybody in the world. You know, I get so frustrated every week, even from top people are all over the world. Everybody needs a signature on their email address. And, and has should have your name and who you are and your phone number and your email address so I don't have to write back and say, okay, I'm going to meet you Monday, but please give me your cell phone number in case I have a problem and need to get a hold of you. Just put yeah. it on there. 
quit making life difficult so we have to exchange three more emails to make an appointment. It's just ridiculous. That's right. That's right. Um, now, you know, you, you were talking about this idea of innovation and constantly changing. And if you look at the models that we see in, um, you know, the competition between Universal and Disney, one is always doing something to, you know, be better than the other. And I think that that competition, that healthy competition in Orlando has really helped both parks grow and continues to make Orlando, you know, one of the top destinations in the world. So I view it, and I want to hear what your opinion is, I view competition as a good thing because it makes you, if you are willing to accept the challenge, it makes you and your products better. What do you What do you think about that? No question. I mean, you are spot on. Let me tell you, uh, everybody has... If you without competition, you can let your guard down and it can deteriorate. And by the way, Disney does not consider universal competition. They consider where else you would go on vacation. Hawaii is competition for Disney and Universal. New York, Las Vegas, the Bahamas, Hawaii, you know, these are that's the real competition. If you come to Orlando, Universal will get their share and Disney will get their share and SeaWorld will get their share and everybody will be happy. So we consider competition where you would spend your vacation dollar. Right. Uh, and right. by the way, entrepreneurs ought to do that too. Where would you spend your money? Amazon, Susan Roebuck, <laughs> Target, you know, where else? It's not a, just about somebody that's in the same business. I mean, consider, think bigger when you're thinking about because people today with internet access can go anywhere you want to. Figure it out, buy it, plan it, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Now, as an entrepreneur yourself, and when you were working for some of these large companies, how much time in a given day would you set aside for, you know, contemplation, for thinking of what you were going to do? Because so many entrepreneurs that I run into say, I'm just going to go do it, because that's, that's you know, Nike's slogan, just go do it. And I believe in that, but you also have to have some time to figure out where you're going and what the roadmap is going to be. So how much time do you spend thinking about where you're going to go and what you want your outcome, goal setting, for example. I would tell you, and I wrote it in the time management book, time management manager, if you don't take time every day to plan, and I probably every morning I spend an hour at Starbucks reading the paper, taking my day planner, and writing down the things I need to get done today, this week, this month, as I think about them, I go through every responsibility in my life from my family to my job to my finances to my taxes, and I think about them. Is there anything I need to do in the next few weeks on these subjects? When I think of them, I put them in today or tomorrow or next Saturday or whenever. And I will tell you there's two things you know, people could really think about. If you don't have reflection every day, reflect on how you did it yesterday, what you didn't do as well as you should have, and then anticipate what's going to happen if you don't make some changes in your life. So looking back and looking forward can help you come up with, you know, you can reflect. If I don't have that discussion with my children about integrity and honesty or uh, sex or boys, what I can anticipate I'm going to have a problem. And if I don't get involved in their schoolwork, I can anticipate I'm going to have a problem. And uh, so reflection, looking back, and anticipation, looking forward, can help you think about what to do today to avoid so reflection helps you do it better the next time. Because every day we don't do things as well as we should have. We had a conversation with somebody, but we didn't tell them everything. So we need to go back and tell them the last two things we weren't clear about. Call the customer back, 
today because yesterday we didn't we forgot about two things we should have told them. And uh, then think about how every time you reflect, you the next time that subject comes up, you always do it better. Even every day when I have a, my wife, I get into a wrangle occasionally. I always reflect, how could I have done that better? What could right. I have said better not to set her off? And the next time I usually do. So it's it's a powerful concept. But if you don't take the time to think and plan every day, you'll just kind of get through the day, and it'll be five o'clock, and you and it'll be Christmas, and you won't know what happened, and you won't have done those important things, and you'll have a lot of regrets one day. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, uh, one of the things that I like about your book, uh, Time Management, um, really, I think, is the idea, the concept. Because, you know, whether you use a written book, a daytime, or whether you use, you know, something electronic, you use a smartphone or whatever it is, the concept of taking that time out of your day to plan, I mean, that that would be not planning to me is the equivalent of getting on an airplane and having no idea where you're going to go. You need to have a starting point and an end point. And that involves small goal setting on a daily basis as well as on a larger scale, you know, monthly or quarterly or yearly. So the concept of the book is really significant. And no matter, for me at least, no matter how you track your time, that concept is invaluable. And and that's what I think I like best about the book. Oh, yeah. I think whether you use an electronic phone, a smartphone, a paper day planner, a yellow pad, or write it on the back of your hand, it's a system that you got to put in place. And uh, somebody told me once, not planning is planning to fail. (laughs) So you will, you know, nobody would go on vacation without planning. So we know everybody knows how to plan. (laughs) They wouldn't just pull out of the driveway and wander off down the road. So everybody has the capability. They just don't realize that it's important in every part of your life, not just on your vacation. That's so, I mean, I've never even thought of that. That's such a good point to make because if you look at the amount of people who are making their living out of helping people plan Disney vacations, I mean, there are people that just, that's what they do for their for their livelihood. And why? Because so many people do. They're not going to take their hard-earned money. You know, maybe they've saved up to go to Disney and it's been, you know, five years in the making. They want that experience to be top-notch. So they're going to plan and they're going to plan for six months. That's such a well, great the people, analogy. The people who do that, the people who plan ahead of time, they have a great visit. And the ones who don't plan, they they get lost in all the stuff, and they're very yeah. disappointed because they don't know where to go. And they don't. Most people plan twice as much as they can do at Disney. By the way, they don't get enough advice from people who've been here, go on the websites and check it. They plan. 12 things a day, and they can get about five or six done. And, yeah, that's a, that's a big problem. And, uh, so, yeah, planning is a huge, you know, in any part of life, planning is a big deal. I mean, and it's a concept that most people don't learn in high school or college. That's the problem. And that's why I wanted to write that book, because I took the course in 1980, and I learned how to plan. And planning, uh, it's like when you uh, build a house, you got to have the plans first. You can't just nailing boards together right. <laughs> without the plan. You're going to have a disaster. Right. And uh, you got to file the papers and the zoning board. There's a, there's a order in which you do things in life. And uh, when you do it in the right order, uh, you know, it's kind of like mothers. They plan their chick, kill children's life. There's things you got to do when they're born. There's things you got to do when they're three or four or five and when they're six and when they're 12 and when they're 15 and 18. You get that college fund open. All those planning takes place because a lot of things have to be done far in advance. Or your retirement plan. Most people don't have it together. They're going to be disappointed. Yeah. If you don't do retirement planning early, you won't have the money when you get there. You know, you're going to be bagging groceries when you're 90. 
and that's pretty sad because you just didn't take the time. And so hopefully get everybody focused on this time management problem because it's you can control it. You're the only person who can control the events in your life, and you got to grab it. And you got to teach your kids the same concepts so they grow up and have a good life too. And if, yeah, nothing else. Well, you know, I think so. I think part of the problem nowadays is while technology is so great and helpful, I think that as uh, a younger generation of people grows in this idea of technology, we're so um, looking for instant gratification in everything. You want a movie? You don't have to go to the video <laughs> store. I mean, I think back to when I was younger. You wanted to see a movie. You had to wait for it to come out in the movie theater or, you know, the drive-in. Yeah. And then as things evolved, there were videotapes. And now it's like, all right, I want a movie. I'm going to download it right now. And I think that that kind of um, instantaneous gratification is detrimental to people who are trying to build a successful business because, you know, it is about planning. And the same point that you illustrate with the retirement People were just concerned about the right now, not about the future. Yeah, you know, it, it's the sin. I said when you do the hard things, it's better. You know, it's easy to get into credit card debt. It's hard to save your money. It's uh, hard to um, put away money for retirement. It's easy to spend it all. It's hard to exercise. It's easy to lay on the couch. It's hard to have a tough discussion with your children about their behavior. It's easy to let it go or an employee. And this is where, you know, I, I said in the time management book, the one thing people need to think about when they plan every day is where they're spending their time, where they're not spending it, where they should be spending it, and why aren't they spending it there. Like you just said, why are people wasting money going, you know, they need this uh, gratification, so they go to Facebook ten times a day to see if somebody likes them. Right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. You don't even know these people. What do you care? Who yep. you need to make sure likes you are your customers and your wife. <laughs> And other than that, forget the rest of these people. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you take an example like Facebook. Facebook is a business. It's about making money. So they want to give that customer that experience. But sometimes as customers we get so sucked into what we're being fed that we don't take the time to say, wait a minute, is this helping my life? And I see it all the time. Facebook is a perfect example. You know, you've got 150 friends and you know two of them. I have 5,000, but the only reason I have them is to promote my work and my book. <laughs> I want them all to buy a book. So that's right. the only thing I use it for. I use it Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter for basically running my business and letting people know what I'm up to and what I'm doing. And when you do this post on there, I'll post it to my all my sites so people can listen to this. And, uh, yeah. And yeah, and that's what's important with, with business. You know, yeah. using social media as business. Absolutely, and using your time wisely. And I would tell you that discussion with yourself is a big one. And I will tell you, if people will have a serious discussion with themselves, they're going to find out that they they are the problem. Lack of self discipline. Right. Yeah. You know, one thing I've heard about Disney World in general is that it's one of the only companies left where you can start at the lowest level. Um, you know, working in, in maintenance or, or sweeping the streets of Main Street and rise to an executive position. Is that your experience in the culture of Disney? Is that still true today? Yeah, I think at Disney, too. I think you can do it in a few other. I think Marriott, Hilton. I think the hospitality business, you can still do it. Uh, maybe some other business. Probably some tech. If you're, you get smarter and better and better and you're just a super smart guy and you don't have a college degree, but you're just a wired for technology, you can probably do it. 
But, uh, yeah, you can do it. And look at George Caligaritas. He's the president of Disney World. He started as a busboy cleaning tables. Right. He was 17 or 18. Um, Meg Crofton started there way back, 35 years ago, became president of Disney France in America. It's just one after the other that, uh, uh, yeah, and you can still do it, and they're doing it by the way. They come there, and you get a job at 20, 21, 22. You do a great job. You get promoted. Next thing you know, in a couple of years, you're an assistant manager. Next thing you're a manager. Next thing you're a director. Next thing you're a VP. Absolutely. You go Be great. Do a great job. Have a great attitude. Work hard. Disney is a place where you'll get recognized and have the ability to move. Now, there's a lot of competition, too. And there's right. a lot of turnover there. So you got to be really great or you're not going to get the opportunity because most people don't leave. And so the openings are less and less. But uh, even if you work at Disney four or five years and then go somewhere else, that Disney experience will pay off because the new employer will just want to talk about that and uh, what you can bring them from what you learned at Disney. So either, whether you stay at Disney and have a career or whether you just use it to learn and get trained and then move on, either way, it doesn't matter. There's life after Disney. There's life after Hilton, life after Marriott. So just uh, go out and uh, be make sure you're learning and getting smarter and technically competent and becoming a better leader and a better manager, and you can go anywhere and be successful. Yeah, and clearly, I mean, you're a perfect example of that because you started, you know, very um, humbly. And, and now you've had experiences that so many people would look at you and say, wow, you were so successful. You, you've had such a, a fulfilled career. And it's through these principles that we're talking about today. Hard work, hey, dedication. Way, yep, go ahead. I just finished writing my fourth book, which is called Creating Career Magic, How to Keep Your Career Under Control. And mine is a perfect example. I didn't have a college degree. I started as a waiter, hourly. I I, got, I, I quit Hilton because I had a boss I couldn't stand. He was, I didn't like the way he treated me. I went to another job. I got fired after 90 days. Then I went to Marriott and started over again. And then Marriott over passed me over and didn't give me a promotion at the end that I thought I should have gotten, so I quit, went to Disney, and I had a great career at Disney, and I'm having a great career now. And I can tell you, I can write this book because all these things are going to happen to you in your life. You know what I mean? You're going to get Absolutely. fired. You're going to get passed over. You're not, you're not going to get promoted. You're, you're going to be disappointed. Uh, somebody else is going to get the job, and you didn't. I'm trying to write a book on telling people, here's how you handle these situations, how to stay professional, cool, calm. There's life after all disappointments. So stay on focus. So, well, this sounds like a great book. When is this book coming out? Well, I finished it. I've been working on it two years. I finished it just a few days ago. I was in California writing it for a month. And uh, I'm going to send it to copy edit now. I haven't selected a date yet, but... Uh, I'll let you know, and I think it's one a lot of people need because a lot of young people are getting disappointed. They're getting a degree, but they're not getting a job. And yeah. A lot of them won't start at, a lot of them won't start at the bottom and work this way up. And if you want to work at Disney, they just get in. Take any job you can get in and then show people how great you are. Because you're not going to go in there and as a manager or an executive. If you want to be there, you got to you got to bite the bullet and, and uh, take a job and learn the business and then... Uh, you got 40, 50 years to work. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, what you said about, about college kids, I mean, so, so true. I mean, so many college kids, they go to school and they come out and they think they're going to get this great job. And, well, it's not fair. Why should I take this, you know, low-level job? I have a college degree. And, and it's not like that. It just isn't. And I think that that's what separates people who go on to have successful careers later on in life from those people that flounder all their lives. 
Well, and a lot of them are getting the wrong degrees. They're getting degrees that are not going to get you a job today. you got to have some technical experience, too. I mean, it's nice to get an art degree or a photography degree. or but Let me tell you, those are going to bite you. Or I would say even graphic artists, you know, there's thousands, millions, and gazillions. Pick something where the, the future holds jobs for you and make sure because it'll, there'll be a lot of experts out there. Engineering, you know, when you think about it, or getting your MBA, or becoming a finance, or strategy, or statistics, data. People are looking for people who can interpret data today. Those are big jobs. I mean, you can get an entry level. I mean, it's like unbelievable. So right. People need more advice, and they need more coaching from Maybe high school, I don't know if high school counselors are helping them out, but they need to really get their parents looking into the future and not these I think it's important that people of all ages, especially kids in high school and college, I think books like yours and information like what you're giving out is so important because the the educational system in this country seems to be focused on um, standardized testing. So a lot of Preparation in high school is for standardized testing, and you're not really learning. Look, I I went to law school, and I learned absolutely zero about being a lawyer. I learned about being a lawyer from practicing being a lawyer. So, you know, the idea of going to school and having everything handed to you, I think, is is just a complete fallacy. And nowadays, there are so many ways for you to learn about things beyond college. You don't even... In my opinion, and, and, you know, people will disagree with me, but in my opinion, if you are a motivated person, college might not even be necessary for you to have a successful career. It's what you want to, to learn post-college or, you know, in those years when you're not going to school. You can learn Absolutely. with the technology to do anything. Absolutely. I said with Google, we have no excuse for not knowing anything we want to know. And then if you travel and get experience, you'll be an expert in something, and nobody's even going to ask you for your degree. You prove you can do it, and they're going to love you. And so kids that don't have a degree or don't do well in school should not be disappointed, and they shouldn't be depressed. They should pick themselves up, pick something they're going to love, and go out and become the best at it, and they'll probably do pretty well. And there's got to be a place for kids. You know, I think there's got to be jobs, and there will be jobs, and there already are in the future, that are education about a couple of years above high school and a couple of years below college, and there's going to be a whole track in there. And a lot of it's going to be online learning. It's going to be experience, learning from experience. And, and the other thing for me is one of the big learning ways is travel. Travel the world. kid asked me the other day, should I go right to work or take a year off and travel around the world? I said, go travel. You're 22 years old, man. Go get it done. You're going to learn so much time you come back in a year. You're going to be more mature. You're going to appreciate people. The bigotry is going to be driven out of your body. Uh, gosh, just go do it. And then go get yeah. more experience. Look, don't go to graduate school right out of college. Get four or five years of experience. So when you go back to graduate school, it makes how to apply it. They uh, need better advice. That's all. Yep, absolutely. Now, uh, I just want to have a question. Are, are you still involved in the Disney Institute? I was, and I I worked for Disney Institute. Funny you asked that question. I worked for them for nine years, and uh, I had an agreement with them to speak on their behalf around the world, but uh, I just ended that agreement because I had an exclusion in there that I couldn't speak at any hotel or convention center within 100 miles of Orlando or within 20 miles of Anaheim. 
So that kind of cost me a lot of money because I get a lot of requests at the Marriott and Hyatt's and convention centers. And so we agreed, and they're going to recommend me to be a speaker, but I'm not going to be on contract with them anymore. So uh, just just matter of fact, just ended that on June 22nd, just a few days wow. ago. So, but I uh, I taught uh, their classes and I taught Disney Institute programs for nine years, so I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, well knowledgeable about all that. For those people out there that might be interested in developing an education through something like the Disney Institute, can you tell people exactly what that is? Because I don't think it's as widely publicized as as you know I'd like it to be. So, can you talk for a second just about that? Yeah, sure. Disney has a whole seven or eight programs. They should go on the website of Disney Institute, www.disneyinstitute.com. There's a list of the seven programs they teach. And they're on leadership, management, customer service, uh, hiring, all kinds of things. And they do a great job. A lot of companies uh, send their people to those classes. Or even Disney comes to cities around the world. And uh, and you can sign up for a one-day program. Or you can come to Orlando and do a three-day program. Uh, they have a lot of great programs. And uh yeah, and it's all around leadership, management, and customer service. That's what they do. Yeah, now, let's, so. now let's talk about you for a second because for those people out there that need to develop some of these skills, some of the things that we're talking about, I mean, you offer these training seminars. You're going to go out there. You're going to give lectures. Um, you're you're more than just an author. So can you talk a little bit about what you have to offer people, how they can get in contact with you, where they can see you, talk about your um, you know, your speaking engagements and, and how you can help people if they need to, to approach you for help. Yeah, well, first of all, they should go to my website, Lee Cockerell, C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L-L.com. Everything about me, what I offer, my books, my leadership app, my, uh, my own podcast called Creating Disney Magic, which is a 15-minute podcast every Tuesday morning, uh, which are very... Uh, educational about every part of business and a lot of advice for entrepreneurs and young people on which way to go. Uh, that's the best way to find out all about me. Thrive 15, which is a group I'm involved in. It's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E 15.com, which is on there. It's a subscription program, but it's 600 videos, 15 minutes, teaching you all about business. We'll have 1,200 videos by the end of the year, and we work with 30 different mentors. I do all the leadership management customer service. David Robinson used to play for San Antonio Spurs. had about 20, 25 videos on there, how to handle crisis, leadership management. We have a guy who teaches you how to franchise, how to rent office space, everything you can imagine, how to hire, how to fire, how to use social media, PR, marketing, sales. They're all on there. And uh, it's $49 a month for people who want to sign up. But if they want to try it for a month for free, if they put in the code MAGIC, promotion code MAGIC, they can try it for a month. Look at all the videos they want to, and if they like it, they can sign up. And if they have an organization, the first person is 49 and everybody else is $19. So, you know, like $100 a year, you have access to all this stuff, and we just keep adding videos. So we're really focused on online learning. We think that's the future. And kids, 15 minutes for kids who are busy, and uh, so that's that's how. And I do leadership seminars. I do speeches all over the country. I do a lot with universities now, hospitals, healthcare, and uh, I do it on customer service, leadership, and management. And I do everything from an hour and a half keynote speech to two-day workshop. So it just depends what the customer wants. So, so that's kind of what I'm doing. It's a lot of fun because everybody wants to know how Disney does it. And, I've been able to make a nice business out of it, and uh, 
trying to teach people. I, I quit being the boss, and now I'm a teacher. Well, that's really satisfying. It's really great, though, too. And I'm going to post links to the site, but um, the video program that you offer, I mean, it, it's really, it's um, it's amazing because you can go and, and get that education from somebody who's been there. You know, a lot of times, and I say this all the time when I'm, I'm, I'm downing college, you'll have a, a professor who's never worked in the field that he's teaching about, and you don't have that real hands-on experience. What's great about you is that you did. You were there. You were in the trenches, and so now we can get advice and information directly from somebody who lived it, which, in my opinion, is far more valuable than somebody who theoretically is involved in the field. So that's what I love. I about hear that all the time. I hear that. I hear that all the time. By the way, and students are telling me they don't want theory anymore. They want reality. Yeah. We get kids to come to work at Disney for six months on the college program. They tell us they learn more than in six months than they do in four years of college. So, practical experience and going to the people who've done it is really an important part of your education. Yep, I agree a hundred percent. Lee, I want to thank you so, so much for taking the time today, right before the 4th of July weekend, to, to come on the show and talk to our listeners. It was really, really educational. Um, links to all of your sites are going to be posted on all of our sites, utlradio.com, on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Uh, and I really would encourage people to go and, and check out the website and, and see if you're interested in the video program because, I mean, really, talk about a crash course. And education. It sounds like an, an excellent uh, way for somebody who is either a younger person or somebody that's been in business for a while to learn a tremendous amount from somebody like yourself who has been doing it for all these years. So thank you for everything that you do. Uh, thank you for the books that you've written because the books are all excellent, and I'm excited to hear about your fourth book. Yeah, it'll be out. I'll let you know, and if you want to do this again, you let me know, and thanks for doing it. July 4th is my wife's birthday, so i got to go out and buy a card now. It's in my day timer. <laughs> well, wish her a happy birthday uh, from everybody here, and absolutely, I'd like to uh, stay in touch and, and see if we can do this again. Maybe I'll even come down by you, and we'll do it uh, We'll do it live down by you. I'd love to be cool. able to, uh, to, to get the book out when it comes, and, and we'll talk about it then. So that's perfectly. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You have a nice weekend, a nice 4th right. of July. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we had uh, Lee Cockrell, who is the author of, right now, three, but he just told us he's got his fourth book finished. Uh, it's Time Management Magic, the Customer Rules and Creating Magic. Excellent books. I've read them. Um, it, for those of you who are watching live on YouTube, you can see that we've got the books here. Um, really, really down-to-earth, great guy, so much that you can learn from him. One of the most important things that I see from people like Lee, who are so super successful, is that their, their early beginnings, were, it was not silver spoon. It was work hard. And I think that if we learn as, you know, whether you're a college kid, a high school kid, or whether you're a 60-year-old who's running your own business, it's never too late to do things the right way. It's never too late to change. It's never too late to learn. We should always be learning. And that's what we can learn from someone like Lee. Learn, evolve, hard work, dedication, and some of those old school ideas, being nice, give what you get 
You know, if you're going to go out there and you're going to be nasty to your customers, you're not going to get loyalty. You're not going to, to, to build your brand. I mean, people don't go to Disney and say, I want to go back because they were so nasty. People go to Disney, and, and forget about the naysayers who say that, oh, it's not what it was supposed to be. I've been to a tremendous amount of businesses. I've been to businesses and, and tried to help them make themselves better. Um, I've, I've dealt with people both from a legal aspect and a business standpoint. And you can see how great Disney as a model is because even those people that complain about Disney not being as, as, as what they thought it would be, it is leaps and bounds beyond customer service at so many places. And I think that that's, it says something. That's why people keep going back. Because let's face it, a vacation at Disney World is not cheap. Why do people do it? Why do people save up? Why do people go there when they can go someplace else like Hawaii and maybe even spend less money? It's because of the atmosphere that Disney has created. And part of that is through its cast members. And Lee talked about that today and about the importance of being that leader and doing that work. And, you know, Lee isn't the first person that said this. Captain Michael Abershaw said the same thing. He was the leader of the USS Benfold, and he talked about how he set the tone. He was on work or at work on time, did just as much work as the crew. And, um, you know, this is just the way it is. If you want to succeed, there are no shortcuts. I've talked on other episodes about passive income and this idea that Money's going to fall from the sky into your lap. Not going to happen. Passive income means that you took a tremendous amount of time and effort and hard work and dedication to create winning content, and then you're pushing that content out that's now being sold. The same way an author does, you know, years and years ago before social media was involved with this idea of online passive income. What, what do you think somebody that owns an investment property, you know, in the 1970s was? Passive income. Or how about an author? Passive income. Because you put the work in, then the book sells. But at the heart of that are all of these principal values that we talked about today with Lee. Hard work, dedication, honesty, planning. So if you're interested in learning more about Lee and his experience and what he can teach you, then take a look at his site. I'm going to post links again. But it's LeeCockrell.com. We've got his books. Um, I'll post link, links up on utlradio.com. If you're interested in picking up any of his books, we'll put links up there so that you can purchase them through the site and uh, really just encourage you to go out. While we have somebody like this willing to uh, give information and to share, we should take advantage of it because so many people who have succeeded in life and in business, they want to kind of keep that all to themselves. They don't want to talk about it. And, and this is what's so great about Lee. I mean, Lee is super easy to talk to, and he's got a tremendous amount of knowledge that we should tap into. So I encourage you to check out his website and, um, and, and take advantage of some of the programs that he's offering. They're really, really great. I also want to thank today's sponsor. Again, uh, the show was sponsored by DavidOstler.com. And if you want to stop overspending on automobile insurance, Go to David Osler. It's O-S-L-E-R dot com, davidosler.com. Thanks for uh, sponsoring the show, and I encourage everybody to check out that site. 
That is going to do it for today. This is going to be the last show of the week. We are getting ready for the big 4th of July weekend. And I hope everyone out there has a wonderful 4th of July. We will be back on Monday with Week in Review with my co-host, Bob Hughes. Uh, For those of you who have not done so lately, please go to utlradio.com. The site was completely revamped. And uh, it, it really, I think, is much better than the old site. It's got a ton of information, and uh, it shows you the upcoming events, the upcoming guests we have on July 8th, for example. Our new show, on a different note, we have uh, guest musician Nate Maingard, and he's super fascinating because he has harnessed the power of social media and self-promotion to create a, a successful music career without being, um, you know, held to the the confines of the man, of the record industry, of the recording industry. So we're going to talk to him about that, about what he's done. And uh, we've got Jillian Siegel coming up on July 9th, talking about her book, Getting There. So we've got a lot of stuff going on, so I encourage you to check out utlradio.com. Let me know what you think of the redesigned site. There's a lot of information out there. There's links to the old podcast. There's links to... Uh, the live video shows, obviously, you know, when you watch them, they will no longer be live. But um, so everything's there. So check that out. Let me know what you think. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, for subscribing. I want to thank all of our new subscribers on YouTube, our new followers on Twitter. Um, it is so rewarding for me to know that some of the information that we're giving out is getting across and you guys are enjoying it. Um, I love hearing from you. I love getting your feedback, and it really, really helps me create better content. So I, I can't thank you enough for your support, for following and subscribing to the show. Don't forget, if you haven't subscribed, maybe this is your first time listening, the show is available on iTunes. It also streams live on YouTube Live. It streams live on Blog Talk Radio. And then all of the archived broadcasts can be found on iTunes, on Blog Talk Radio, on utlradio.com. So it's all there. We have a ton of shows coming up. We're going four days a week right now. We've got four different shows all aimed at helping you develop personally, financially, legally, and in a business sense. So I want to encourage you to check out some of the other shows Maybe you've only heard the Understanding Business Show. Maybe you want to check out the Business and Legal Q&A Live or some of the other shows that we offer. So I want to thank everybody. I want to wish you all a very happy, safe uh, 4th of July weekend. Happy birthday, by the way, to Lee Cockrell's wife, whose birthday is the 4th of July. And uh, thank him again for being on the show. It was a very, very um, entertaining an educationally packed show. There's a lot of things that we can learn. Even if you, the listener, learns one new thing or you hear something again, but in a different way that maybe clicks, then we've been successful. And I wish you all out there success personally and in business, and we're here to help. So questions, comments, feedback, you want to get in touch with us, all of the links to get in touch with me are on utlradio.com. Reach out on Twitter, Facebook, however you find it easiest to do it, reach out and we would be happy to answer your questions, to post your questions online, 
to discuss business topics that you have that you need answers to. That's going to do it for today. Thank you all again. Have a great weekend. Remember that there's power in understanding the law. With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.